Well, let's, uh, well, it's a time change. Let's, let's go ahead and confess. Is anybody here for the 915 service? <laughs> uh, just check it. Have you ever done that? Missed, missed the time change? There was one time Joy and I were, were at, and in Warrensburg, Illinois. Warrensburg was a much smaller church, and the pastor does everything. You know, uh, I, I, we lived right across the alley. I mean, you could almost touch both buildings. The, the parsonage was that close to the church. And so uh, early Sunday morning, I'd get up, and I'd go over, and I'd make sure the heat's on and put the coffee on, get everything ready, bulletins out, everything ready to go, and and then Joy came over, and we were sitting there uh, doing a little prayer time, and time for the worship service, and nobody showed up. You want to really mess with a pastor? Get everyone not to show up for the start of the service. It really freaks you out. You know, like, gee, did the rapture happen, and we were the only ones that didn't make it? And we wonder, what in the world's going on? And then, oh, 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 yeah, we're supposed to fall back, you know. And then it dawned on us, and it's a dreadful thing in the fall when this happens. We thought to ourselves, we could have stayed in bed an extra hour, and we blew it. Oh. So, uh, time changes are interesting things. It's good that you're here, though. And uh, we are at the beginning of the season of Lent. It started with our Ash Wednesday service, services that we had. And also, uh, this is the first, the first Sunday of Lent. And we're, we're going to be talking about questions. And we all have them, don't we? And one of the most frustrating things about, about life is that there always seems to be more questions than there is answers. And, you know, the interesting thing about questions is they only have to be one word. And it says so much. Like, how? Or who? How about when? Or what? You fill in the rest. And you can see how difficult questions can be. And how about, how about this one? Why? A lot of why questions. Christ followers have learned that you turn to Jesus with your questions. And much of the Bible sets about answering many of the questions that we have in life. But did you know that Jesus has questions as well? The Bible lists well over a hundred different questions that Jesus has. And he used, predominantly uses these questions as a teaching tool. Each question that he asks has a very far-reaching, deep opportunity of stirring things up in our souls to help us seek to find the answer. They have the power to draw us closer to Jesus if, if we take them seriously, the things that he asks. Think about them for a minute. One of his questions is, was, do you want to get well? He says this to a person who's obviously needing a healing. 
He looks him in the eye and says, do you want to get well? Now, your first response is, well, duh, yeah, can't you see? But then he's looking into the eyes of the person who can really make him well. He's asking that question. And it, it causes a deep search into just where do I need a healing? How about, how about him looking into the eyes of his disciples, his disciples who've been with him and, and seen miracle after miracle, and then, and then he looks at them and says, why did you doubt? Why, why, why did you doubt? Man, talk about it soul searching when Jesus answers asks that that question well my, my prayer is that all of us will be able to on this journey of Lent will will be able to 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 bring uh, about a search that is so deep that it it actually draws us closer to Jesus Christ our relationship with him and helps us to know him better well, today we're going to be looking at a message that starts right at the beginning of his, uh, his ministry. It, it's, it's called, What Are You Looking For? However, that wasn't the first question that he had. The first recorded question that we have is back when he was 12 years old. Do you know this story? Imagine Jesus at 12 years old. And uh, the family and extended relatives and neighbors and friends, they go to Jerusalem for a special event. And uh, they're in the city there, and Jesus is now 12. He is at a, an, an age where he's taken more seriously as an adult and in the religious uh, uh, realm as well. And they, after that, that event, they go home in a caravan. And... That night, as they're camping out, because it was a distance to get home, uh, Mary and Joseph uh, start counting heads. They're, they're looking for their kid. I can just imagine Joseph turning to Mary and saying, Mary, uh, have you seen Jesus? And uh, Mary says, why? I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with Aunt Thelma or whoever, you know, the, in, the, in the whole caravan. And, uh, you know, I, I, they, they left him in Jerusalem. They went off without him. I can identify with Jesus here because when I was a kid, I was left at church not once but twice. You know, when you have a whole bunch of family come in different cars, you go home and I'm, I'm, they left me again. They left, they left me. So Jesus is there, left in Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem, and they search, and they search, and they search. And, and then they finally find him. Do you remember where he, does anybody remember where he was? He was in the temple. He was sitting there with the teachers and the, and the priests, and they were asking him questions. He was asking questions. They were just marveling at this 12-year-old. And, and, and they, you know, this, this kid's really, really cool. Well, what do you think Mary and, especially the mom, Mary, did when she finally sees Jesus? Sort of like, the, where have you been? Don't you know what you put your dad and me through? Uh, you know, it's a typical mom thing. Um, 
And, and, and in it, it probably had, just you wait until you get home. But then Jesus asks them a couple of questions. The first question, the first words that we have recorded that Jesus said. Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? What do, you, what do you do if you're Mary and Joseph? First, you know, they, they freak out because they've lost the child, of the son of God, you know. They find him. They, they want to they scold him. And, and, and he says, and it's just like, how do you raise the son of God? Well, let's go forward here to the years in which uh, Jesus is now ready to start his ministry. And he, uh, he starts it by being baptized by John the Baptist. And if you turn to the Gospel of John, it's on page 1062, you will see there the story of John baptizing people. And basically they're saying, why are you baptizing people? And he says, well, I'm preparing the way for the one who's to come. You know, I baptize you with water. The one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then one day, John sees Jesus coming toward him. And you can read this in John 20, uh, 1, 29. And this is what he says. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I met when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. He calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does that, why would you call somebody a Lamb of God? Well, in that time and in that culture, everybody would understand it very clearly because every day in the temple, every day in the temple, there was sacrifices for the sins of the, of the people. They would take a lamb that was without spot or blemish and was pure white, and they would sacrifice this lamb on the altar. And the blood from that lamb was to be a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Well, he says that. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and then he baptizes him. The next day there, he's walking with two of his disciples, his followers, John is, and he says to them, um, look, and he points at Jesus, who apparently is walking by, and said, behold the Lamb of God. Look, there's the Lamb of God. And so they follow him. The two disciples, they leave John and they begin following Jesus. Literally, they're following him. You ever had anybody follow you? You look around, you see him one time, and then, you know, they may be doing this, and you... Start walking, turn around again, and, and, and they're still following you. 
What is the question that you would ask that person who's following you? Why are you following me? Right? Jesus turns around, looks these two guys in the eyes, and says, what are you looking for? What do you want? Now, let's, let's look at, at John 1, 35 through 41. The next day, John was there again with two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you want or, or what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, which, is, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of them, one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Let's just take a moment and pray for this holy word. Lord God, I ask that you will speak to us through your holy word and that this witness to your word will be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. So Andrew, one of John's disciples and another disciple, unnamed, which makes actually the people are some, some scholars saying that they think it was John the, the apostle who wrote the book of John was the other disciple because he, he doesn't refer to himself in first person. He doesn't say I or we. He, uh, he speaks as if he is standing back and, and looking at the story itself. So it may have been John. They're asked the question, what are you looking for? Or what do you want? You know, instead of why are, why are you following me? Now, when do you ask the question, what do you want or what, what are you looking for? It's usually when somebody's doing this. Right? And then you ask that question. Uh, don't you hate it when you lose something? When I was preparing this message and, and uh, wanted to use the computer yesterday to, to get some, some uh, uh, of the notes down, uh, I couldn't find my computer. I knew it was in the house. The laptop was in the house somewhere. I couldn't find it. I went upstairs, downstairs, upstairs. Down. It's a good thing Joy wasn't there because she calls me BB anyway for blind boy. You know. Some right out in plain view and I can't see it. So um, I was looking for this thing and couldn't find it. And then it finally dawned on me, okay, Lord, you're messing with me, aren't you? You're getting me ready for this message. And so I prayed, Lord, uh, please help me find my computer. Guess what? In my mind, God said, well, did, you know, do you remember where you put you know, it? And, and there, sure enough, it was, it was under a blanket that I had thrown the blanket over it. And, um, and found it, but it's just, you know, it's just frustrating to lose things. The other night, uh, Levi was, was with us, and he came home. He wanted to see the uh, uh, Steam Wheelers play, the, the, 
the indoor football league. And that was a night that the temperature just went from here down to here, just went really. And, and uh, so we get ready to go, and I'm in like a sport coat. And Joy, uh, she did like one of my mom things. She said, you need a coat. And I pretty well responded to her like I would have responded by Bob. I always think of, when someone says something like that, I always think of like a Humphrey Bogart movie with the badges, like coats. Coats? We don't need no stinking coats. I didn't wear a coat. I, you know, I was kind of layered up. I thought, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And Joy was driving, so she even let us out at the door so Levi and I can go get in and get the seats. And, and she parked the car. So I didn't need a coat. Then the game ended and we went out to the parking lot. Guess who couldn't remember where the car was? At least that's what she says. <laughs> and so we're, we're walking all over the parking lot trying to find the car. And I, I get separated from Joy and Levi. They find the car, and I've lost them now. <laughs> so I'm, and, and I find, you know, finally, I'm getting so cold that I start walking back to the building. You know, I, you know, it was, one of those, it was one of those comedy of errors where my cell phone had fallen underneath the seat and I didn't, you know, who's going to need a cell phone, you know, when we... So I didn't even have a cell phone. So, I, you know, I was heading back to the, to the building, to the tax layer center, and uh, Levi says, Dad, Dad, we're over here. So, you know, I, I get back in the car, and, and, and what do you do? You know, I totally froze. Joy's in the driver's seat, and I'm sitting, and I say, I need a coat. <laughs> Guys, do, are you with me? Do you hear, you know, does this happen to you too? No, not at all. Yeah. What are you looking for? What do you want? Jesus saw these two men stalking him, whatever. But he saw right through them. It wasn't, it wasn't where, what are you, why are you following me? It was, what are you looking for? What do you want? That question is responded to by the disciples saying kind of a, Sounds almost like an idiotic question. Well, where are you staying? And it may have been that they just were caught off guard. It may be that they were saying a question that actually uh, is, is for a deeper reason. See, where are you staying was sort of asking for an invite to spend more time with Jesus. They were in essence saying, we want to get to know who you are. Can we spend time with you? And Jesus does the coolest thing. He says, come and see. Come and see. And so they go and they, they uh, uh, see, see where Jesus is and what he is, uh, um, what he is about. And at the end of that day, they come away by saying, 
we have found the Lord. We have found the Lord. Now, the story goes on and other disciples are added to the, uh, um, the group. Peter, Andrew goes and he says, we have found the Lord to his older brother Peter. Peter goes and sees Jesus. Jesus says, uh, um, you're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Rocky. Peter means rock, Petra. The name is Rocky. I love that, don't you? Uh, Philip <clears throat> meets Jesus. Then he goes and he, uh, to Nathanael and says, we have found the Messiah. And, and, and there, there it is. Now this Messiah, the one that, that is the anointed, you know, Messiah Christ means the anointed one of God. He is the one that John referred to as the Lamb of God. Now why? Because the Lamb of God is the one who takes away the sins of the world not a lamb that needs to be slain every day, but a once and for all sacrifice for the sins of the world. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for people who have their cell phones on in church. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, that, that's not in there. Therefore, there is, now there, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might, might be fully met in us. So what we have there is Jesus coming into the world, being one of us, but never sinning, to be sin-free. He comes into the world to die on a cross to be the sacrifice for the things that we have done wrong our sins. You've heard me describe sin as a three-letter word with what in the middle? I. When we set ourselves in the center of our lives, we set ourselves up for sin. So Jesus comes along and becomes the Lamb of God. You know, it's interesting to me that, that in the last book of the New Testament, it's the book of Revelation, it talks about the Lamb of God 29 times. But not only the Lamb of God, it, 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 it blends in the Lion of Judah at the same time. This Lion Lamb who, who not only takes away the sins, but becomes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the one that we follow. King Jesus, who is also the Lamb of God. Guess who wrote the book of Revelation? John the Baptist. 
So as we, uh, as we leave here today, I want you to, into this week, take this question. I want you to envision Jesus, the Messiah, looking at you in your eyes and asking you, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And don't dismiss it. Struggle with it. Determine here at the beginning of the season of Lent exactly what you are looking for. Hopefully, by the end of this Lenten season, we will be able to say with John, Behold, the Lamb of God who has truly taken away our sins. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for the questions that Jesus asked. Help us as we go through this Lenten season to struggle with each question, to deal with it in a serious and positive way, not dismissing it easily, but actually doing the work that you call us to do. And through the process, Lord, we seek to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.